Today's message was recorded for Sunday, July 12, 2020. The title for my message this morning is Christ, Our Treasure. Christ, Our Treasure. I'm going to maybe shorten it up a wee little bit, not necessarily, but if you were in the back with Jerry Lynn, you would understand. I, I, I felt those vibes, Bruce, coming my way like, what are you talking about shortening it up here? Well, I also feel the vibes coming from Jerry Lynn right now. That if you've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and some kids, you're like, please, Steve, hurry it up. <laughs> Christ, our treasure. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Oh, Jesus, I forgot my reader glasses. Yeah. Matthew 13, 44. I'll get it here. I just got to stand far enough back. And the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in a field. Which when a man has found, he hides and for joy thereof, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven, like a treasure in a field. What kind of treasure would that be? That you would be so excited that you're like, you know what, I want to buy that piece of property. And you gather all your substance, all your goods, and you sell it all. You divest yourself of all that you own in order to buy that treasure in a field. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of heaven is comparable to. But it's much greater than anything that we could possibly imagine. I sometimes wish that we had like, remember the old scales of justice? where you had those scales, you put the weights on one side and you try to get them even. I wish that we could have that in some ways and have it look really cool for this reason, because Christ is on one side, all of his inheritance, all of his blessings, the gift of eternal life, and then you have all of that we have, our stuff, our houses, our, our cars, whatever, but then also our grievances, our losses, our sorrows is on this side. And before Christ gets on that side, we can be weighed down, with all of the the weights and the cares of this world. And there's a lot of people in this world, especially those who don't know Jesus, who are very bummed out or they're angry about all the injustices of this world. And I'll say, it's not a happy place here sometimes on planet Earth. Amen? Apart from Christ. But what is the Christian solution? The Christian solution is Jesus. He's going to make everything right someday. That if we give our heart to him, there is no loss that I can go through that will ever cause Jesus to to cause him to go like this, where he's on the right side, you know. And I'll be able to look at him and say, well, Lord, I know that you're great, but you know what? It's just not fair, and I've just gone through so much, and you're not enough for me. There's not a one of us in here who would say that to Jesus. Amen? And so here, he is that treasure hidden in a field. And so my prayer for us this morning is, is Jesus Christ, you are our treasure. Open up our eyes to see how wonderful you are. Because when we see how wonderful he is, you'll be able to go through anything that the future holds. I've exhorted you week after week, sometimes stop spending time on so much time on Facebook. Stop spending so much time on the conspiracy news sites. I am very aware of what's happening, but that is not your treasure. Your treasure is found in Jesus. And so here, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like that treasure hidden in the field. And so capture that thought here. In in Luke chapter 18, turning over a few books of the Bible, Luke chapter 18, there was a rich young ruler. We'll just talk about him briefly. He asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What did Jesus say? Keep the commandments. Which, Lord, he was a good church-going boy. He kept, he was a good kid. Good teenager, good young man, you would want him for your neighbor. He's like, Lord, I've kept all these things from the time I'm a little boy, but yet there was still a nagging loss in his heart. What does that teach me? 
nothing wrong with success, nothing wrong with doing good in life, but money and success alone is not going to fill that void of a deep relationship, an abiding relationship with God in your heart. And so he knew there's something missing. I'm keeping all the commandments. I'm doing all I'm supposed to do. He is wealthy as all get out. And the Lord says, I'll tell you what, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Come and follow me and you'll treasure in heaven. He's like, what? Wait a second. What happened? Scales of justice. The rich young ruler, he had all this treasure here. And he looked at Jesus and he's like, no, you're not worth it. And he went away sorrowful. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 19. A guy named Zacchaeus. I love Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he hears that Jesus is in town. He climbs up into the tree. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I have to tell you the story. <clears throat> he climbs the tree. Jesus walks by and says, Hey, Zach, I want to go to lunch at your house. Come down from there. What does Zacchaeus do? He goes, makes lunch for Jesus. The neighborhood gets mad at Zacchaeus. And Jesus is like, Hey, we don't like Zacchaeus because that guy, he's the guy who collects the taxes for the Roman government. He's the mask police. (laughs) We don't like him. We don't want him around. But here, Jesus is talking. He's sharing at the lunch. We don't know what he's talking about. But in the middle of lunch, Zacchaeus stands up and he just blurts out, Lord, I'm going to sell half of what I give, give it to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anybody wrongfully, I'll restore fourfold. Means if I took five bucks, I'm going to give 20. For those of you new math, you know. Four times five. Restitution. And Jesus says this about Zacchaeus. Truly, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if you got 20 bucks in your bank account, that story doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'll give to the poor 10 bucks. And then, you know, what left, I'll try to restore. But I don't have it, so I'm sorry. No, Zacchaeus was wealthy. And when you have a lot, there's a lot at stake. And for Zacchaeus to stand up and say, hey, (laughs) Jesus, your kingdom is so amazing. And the promise of eternal life is so amazing. I don't care. I'll give half of it away. How often does that happen in our society today? Not very often. Why? Because our eyes are in the wrong place, church. Now listen, the rich young ruler, Jesus said, hey, sell it all. Zacchaeus. He just said, I'll give half away. The point isn't that Jesus wants everybody poor, because that's not the point. The point is Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart to be in the right place. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Zacchaeus, this guy who was despised in the community, nobody wanted him around. Can you imagine the eyes he got when he walked through town? Can't stand that guy. He just took everything from my family. Nobody would invite him out to lunch, but Jesus, like, come on, Zach. He had his eyes open. Christ, our treasure. Church, you need that in this day and age. Again, turn off whatever you're listening to sometimes and tune it out and get into God's word and say, Jesus. Yes, our country is going through a horrible time right now. It's at a turning point, so to say. But if you've been alive very long, doesn't it about every election year you hear like, this is the most important election ever, and it's just like this drum roll, and it's just this hysteria that's whipped up? I'm only 46, but I get tired of it. Why? Because no party, right, left, Republican, Democrat, is going to fix this nation. Only Jesus. 
and yet Christians buy into it. Oh, I'm just going to give my whole life to trying to fix America through politics. It ain't going to work. No. What's going to change America, church, is when America sees Christians who have found Christ their treasure. They have found Christians who say, you know what, I don't have a whole lot, or maybe I lost a whole lot, but you know what, I've got everything I could possibly ever need. Could I share Jesus with you? And people look at you and go, well, you're crazy, man. No, I'm not. I have Jesus. We have people in this church who have had cancer, horrible cancers, and they went through that ordeal, and they are going through that ordeal with a cheerful heart and attitude. They are a fragrance for Christ wherever they go. And others look at them and say, man, if I were in your shoes, I'd be bawling and squalling and complaining, and how can you even smile anymore? Christ, my treasure. He is the secret of contentment, that I don't have to have everything that I want. No, Jesus is absolutely amazing. He will never sell me short. It doesn't matter what I go through in this life. If I have him, I have everything. Oh, you are a good man. Thank you, Bob. All right, so we have Zacchaeus. He just said, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. And I'm trying to have it so you're not turning back and forth so much. Oh, yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. It says, yeah, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, after your eyes were opened, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Basically, they were being persecuted. Partly while you were made a spectacle to the world by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of those who were going through the same thing. Verse 34 is important. You had compassion on me in my bonds when Paul was in prison, and you took joyfully the plundering of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Do not cast away, therefore, your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. What is he saying here? In this book of Hebrews, when people became Christians 2,000 years ago, there was a lot of persecution they went through. They were being harassed, they were being ostracized, and they were having people taking their stuff away. He's like, guys, remember what it was like when you first got saved? Do you remember what it was like when you were being treated and harassed? You were like a spectacle to the world. You were treated horribly. You even took joyfully. Everybody say joyfully. You would take joyfully the plundering of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have a better treasure in heaven. Can you imagine the testimony that would be to the world if Christians were like that? Like, you know, I just lost everything. Hallelujah! They say, you're nuts. No, I'm not. Because this world would be a whole lot better place if there was a whole lot more people who weren't simply trying to get their slice of the pie. Because they have the whole pie through Jesus. And saying, you know what? I've got everything. It's not that I want to go through loss. It's not that I want to go through suffering. I preached a message on Wednesday night, church. If you can't listen to it, do your best. Go preparing for persecution. And I just want to tell you, I pray it's a long ways away. But church, we as Christians need to be ready because there's a whole lot of people who serve Jesus only for comfort and what he can give me. And they're in for the shock of their life. When all of a sudden they realize, wait a second, why is all this happening to me? Jesus said, if they persecute you, me, they're going to persecute us. The servant is not greater than his his Lord. And so we say, Jesus, 
Help me to have my eyes open to see that treasure hidden in a field. Why? Because as Bruce is saying, how do I respond? When I'm going through a, a death of a loved one, the birth of new life and all this stuff, have Jesus. He's the anchor of your soul. Go into another book of the Bible here. Turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I have shared this for... It's been a common theme for the past couple of years. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. Paul the Apostle, he had everything that you could possibly want in life. And after he met Jesus, he says this in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung. That's a nice way of saying manure. I was in Texas years ago with my dad. They have ranches there. Our little things where we see like a few cows in the field are nothing. They got like 10,000 head of cattle. And when you're driving down the road on the wrong side of the wind, (laughs) roll up the windows, put on the recirculation. That's just no way to get around it. You can put on the recirculation. It's stuck in the car then. You've been through there, Gary, haven't you? Oh, boy. Paul said, what things were gained to me, these I count but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things, and I count it all. All the good stuff. Listen, I'm going to keep on this point from time to time because it's critical for these days that we're living in. Paul isn't talking about leaving. I'm leaving the drugs and the alcohol and all the bad stuff that you know kills you. He was talking about all the stuff he did have. Security, position, wealth, status in the, in the community. He was set for life as a Pharisee. And when he met Jesus, he's like, you know what? I found something even greater. Church, do you have something even greater? Have you found the, your treasure hidden in a field? Here's how you will know is by how you respond to loss. I'm going to say this again because it's, it's powerful. How do I know when I have truly found my treasure hidden in a field? How do I respond to loss, inconvenience, to troubles and trials? That is an indicator. Is he really my treasure? Jesus, you're everything. All of a sudden, put the mask on. Jesus, you're everything. Hey, could I tell you about the love of God? That doesn't stop nobody from talking. Come on, church. You realize there's a whole community out there of people who have family members, loved ones who are severely immunocompromised. I ran it. I won't mention, but I ran into some loved ones who are part of this body in Walmart. And before he mandated the mask, and I ran into them at Walmart, and they were wearing their masks, and my heart just sunk to my shoes because I'm just walking through there. It's just a conspiracy. I ain't gonna do this. No one's telling me what to do. And then I run into them. I was like. All of a sudden, like, it's not six feet, ten feet. Hi, guys. How you doing? I'm like, I just felt like this tall. Because I realized when it's your loved one, it was not very loving at that time. I'm not trying to point fingers, by the way. If you don't have a mask on this morning, I'm just sharing from my heart that Jesus, he's working in my heart too, church. If he doesn't work in this pastor's heart, how can I even help you? And so the Lord's saying, Steve, I'm your treasure hidden in the field. 
Steve, remember the Apostle Paul, that he went through severe inconveniences, but he didn't get his neck all bent out of shape. No, he was busy sharing the sweet fragrance of Christ wherever he went. He acknowledged it. Yeah, it's a nuisance, but you know what? I've got something far greater, and the world can't take it away. And when you're going through heartache or sorrow and there's so much anger and hostility in this world, you know what? A soft answer turns away wrath. A sweet spirit, a gentle heart is going to be that fragrance of Christ that will draw people in. Not when they see Christians all bent out of shape and all angry. No, I say, please, I want to show you, tell you about the glory of Christ and who he is. Can I tell you about how much he's forgiven me? I shared on Wednesday about how do we keep our hearts from growing cold, hard, in, in when iniquity, when lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Remember the woman who washed his feet with the alabaster box of ointment? Very expensive. Some people say that was over a year and a half salary in that little jar of perfume. She found her treasure hidden in a field. And she knew that she was a sinner. She had a reputation being a sinner, but she took that expensive jar of perfume. She was weeping, and she was washing his feet with tears. And the religious folks were saying, ah, if Jesus was really spiritual, they know what kind of a woman she is. She's a sinner. And she pours that alabaster box upon his feet, in a sense, wasting it. She can't gather it up now and go sell it. And she, Simon, Jesus looks at Simon and says, you know what? You didn't even bother to wash my feet with water, but this woman, she's washing my feet with her tears. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she's poured this expensive ointment upon me. You know what, Simon, I want to ask you a question. If, if somebody owes somebody $2,000 and another guy owes 20 bucks, and both of them are forgiven, who's going to be the most grateful? That guy had some brains. He's like, I suppose the guy who owed the most amount of money. He says, ding, 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 you got the answer right, Simon. Guess what? Those, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Why? For she loves much. She knows what she's been forgiven of. But those who are forgiven little, they love little. If you don't want your heart to grow cold and calloused and just to get into, if you don't want to reflect the spirit of this world, you know what? Take time and say, Jesus, remind me where I've come from. Remind me what you've forgiven me of. Lord, for you don't drive a person into the ground in shame and humiliation. No, it is a wonderful thing to remember. Oh, Lord, thank you for the wonderful forgiveness that you have given to me. Because you have cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I someday shall stand with you in eternity. Hallelujah! Lord, if I forget... And I start pointing fingers. Man, that Governor Inslee, he's quite a piece of work. You know what? He's not quite as bad as Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? The guy who threw some people in a fiery furnace? How did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how did Daniel survive in Nebuchadnezzar's court? I highly doubt it was with them nitpicking every single law and rule that he had. You're trampling on me. How are you doing? You're telling me to do fiery furnace to go. Make it hotter. <laughs> Church, I love you so much. I'm not trying to annoy some of you. I love you. Christ, our treasure hidden in a field. I don't know how long we'll have. I pray that it doesn't get locked down again. But you know what? 
We need to do what Bruce was talking about and be friends with one another. Share each other's burdens. Check on each other. Call each other. Do what you can to be the body of Christ. But you've got to be in this book and say, Lord, would you show me the treasure of who you are? Because, Lord, as you do, that will give me the strength and the joy and the peace that I need that will surpass my understanding. Lord, you have called us to be a witness for you. I want to be a sweet fragrance for you, Lord. I don't want to be a stinking aroma like the... Like the, uh, the the manure in Texas. Jesus, you're my everything, Lord. Wrapping this up here. So Paul said, what things were gained, I count as loss. Uh, the last scripture, I can go on many more, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It says, for the which cause we faint not. For though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, short-lived, it is working on our behalf a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to tell you, some of you have lost family members, but for the Shoemate family here, it's very poignant right now, the, the reality of eternity. The things that we see, church, they're temporary. I thank God for my family. I thank God for this church. I thank God for what he has blessed me with. It's temporary, though, in comparison to the eternal relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Our momentary light afflictions. I want to pray right now in closing that we will ask God to say, Lord, would you give us an abundance of grace? That, Lord, if the Apostle Paul could walk away and says, you know what, all that was gained to me... I willingly, joyfully, I count it but loss for the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I willingly suffer the loss of all things, and I'll count them but rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Jesus, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would stand before you someday to hear the words, Well done good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Lord, I pray right now for each and every heart represented here right now that you would help us to cast our burdens, our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the hope that you have laid out before us. Lord, in a world that is filled with people who are without hope, help us, Lord, to radiate the hope and the love and the salvation of Jesus Christ. Help us to see, Lord, that any inconveniences that we go through, it is so short-lived in comparison, Lord, to what we will have for all eternity. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I close this with 30 seconds. If you need Jesus, church, I don't care if you've been going here for many years, if you need Jesus and he has not been on the throne of your heart, I would love to pray with you. These altars are open. And uh, just to get him in his rightful place. Why? Because he is that treasure hidden in a field. In Jesus' name. Lord, as we prepare to leave the sanctuary, thank you that we do not leave your watchful care. Lord, we pray that you would order and direct our steps. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints of God. Have a fabulous week. And uh, we will hope to see you next Sunday morning, 1030. I love you, church.